if you want to make a tremendous amount of sales and you want to make a tremendous amount of money, you can just spend all day overcoming objections. But if you actually overcome the person and actually help that person overcome himself, then that's how it all kind of binds together. Welcome to the Everything is Influence podcast. This podcast is dedicated to help you understand why human beings do the things they do and ultimately how you can work with human psychology to influence change and get people to do what you want them to. Whether this is your clients, your prospects, your kids, your spouse, or anyone you come into contact with, this show will give you the tools of influence so that you can become more, unlock your true potential, and serve even more powerfully than you already do. My name is Eli Wild. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the Everything is Influence podcast, where on each episode, we get you somebody who's killing it in the world of influence, as I see it. And as always, we go into the four levels of influence. How has this individual influenced themselves? How they've taken the clarity and certainty they've generated inside of themselves and begin the process of real influence, where they take what's inside of them and transferring that to another human being that sales. How do they do that to a group, be it their company? And ultimately, how have they done it when they're not even there? That is distilling down the mission and values that live inside of them into the people and process around them so they can become a legend. So without any further ado, today's guest is Mr. Bill Walsh. How are you, sir? How are you, buddy? Oh, brilliant. I'm amazing, as they say. I'm absolutely amazing. It's a privilege to be here with you, buddy. It's awesome, a privilege man. to be here. Um, you know, let's get right into it for everybody. Tell everybody what you do, what your business is, and we're going to kind of reverse engineer how you got here. So what's yeah. your business, what you do? Yeah, so over the last probably three, two and a half months, three months, I have built the Objection Box, which is a sales training company that uh, is coaching people predominantly in the arts of objection handling and building out from there. We have kind of four big pillars that we overcome, four big pillars that are getting our guys into a position where they're making sales hands over fist, which are objection handling and action questions, future pace, and then obviously finding the North Star. Um, so that's what we're doing. That's what we're building. You know, we're, we're slowly getting there, but um, yeah, it's a lot of fun over the last couple of months. Yeah. So I'll, I'll jump in there really quick. It's like a four step process. And I've seen scripts that have a bajillion steps. Your, yeah. your jam is that most of this stuff. And I, I watch some of your content. You're like, most of the stuff out there is just nonsense. And you're like, here's the grassroots bare bones. Here's what you need. Um, what are those things again that people need? Yeah, so I go from I go back to France, and when I came into sales not that long ago, like COVID obviously wiped me out in fitness. When I walked into sales, everyone had the idea that you go top down. I come from military, as you know, so from a very young age, I was just told to do the hardest thing first. Like we would be dropped on one side of the mountain at 17 years of age, and we would have 500 pounds between four or five of us, and we're told, get that weight over the other side of the ridge, and you're on yeah. a timer. And from that age, you're like always in a position of always doing the hardest thing first. When I walked into sales, the hardest thing for me at that time was objection handling. You can have all the right process, top to bottom on the left-hand side. But when it came to the end of a call, which is the most important part of the call, and if you can't help that person overcome their own fears, their limitations, and their hesitation, then you're always going to get a no. And I didn't get paid when I got no's. My family didn't get fed when I got no's. 
So I just quickly said, okay, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to train this and then we're going to build out from there. That's how it was built. That's what I did. And that's, you know, what maybe, and again, I use bunny years all the time because success is always based upon who someone else's opinion. So that's what I did that helped me get where I am today. You know, so that's what we do. We do. Main focus is objections. Like how do you handle objections? And, um, you know, we all know the typical objection objections. Think about it. Spouse, money, time. Um, do you have like a different yes. syntax for each one of them? What's no, I, I is it, the big six for what, me. What's are, made you successful? Like, let me just ask this. What's made you successful in this? And, and you know, you're obviously killing it with your students. Yeah. Is it the repetition of the training of like just focusing on objections or is it like something unique that you're doing in the art of how it's handled or a yeah. bit of both kind of why have you had so much success focused on this? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a combination to be honest with you, Eli. Um, I learned very, very quickly the objection is being given by who? By the prospect? By the prospect, yeah, by the person. Yeah. And every sales training that I've seen is always based on overcoming that objection and then that objection and that objection. And then I realized, hold on, hold on a minute, there's, there's something missing here. Why don't I just overcome the person? Why don't I just overcome the person? Because they, if I overcome the person, what's that person going to do? He's going to overcome his own objections. So what I need to do throughout the whole sales process is give that person clarity, give that person confidence and give that person's, you know, certainty in making a decision that's going to betterment his family and his own future. And that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, broken it down into the four stages as we've gone over. But at, at each stage, I'm always giving that person enough of conviction and certainty in their decision-making that ultimately allows them to make a better decision. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I learned that very, very quickly that, you know, if you want to make a tremendous amount of sales and you want to make a tremendous amount of money, you can just spend all day overcoming objections. But if you actually overcome the person and actually help that person overcome himself, then that's how it all kind of binds together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And we, you know, we've talked before, I think of the objections that most people say they're dealing with externals, be it people or time or money, their calendar situation. But you know, the common denominator for anybody doing something in life is themselves. They've been the foundation for all of their successes and failures. And so dealing with the person, tell, explain on that a little bit more. Like, how do you mean dealing with the person, getting them to overcome themselves? Yeah. So if you think of it, right, if someone comes to me and says, uh, you know, I just need to go speak with my partner. Is that a mm-hmm. true objection? More often than not, it's not. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But, and so how you steered away from that is I'm not asking you to climb Mount, Mount Everest. What I am asking you to do is to take enough confidence and certainty and conviction in your decision-making to actually make the first step. If I can help you make the first step, then I can help you make the second step and the third step and fourth and fifth before you know we're halfway up the mountain. So I've mm-hmm. always wanted people not necessarily to overcome everything, but overcome the immediate decision that needs to be made, which is ultimately, do you commit to yourself making a change? Yes or no? Yes. If that is the case, then what do you need to do from here in this exact moment in time to put yourself in that best position? Well, I've got to commit. I've got to put a line in the sand. Of course you do. Well, if that is the case, then do this, 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 and this. Before you know it, I've overcome the partner objective, but I've also overcome him. So yeah. I mean, before you know it, he's actually invested in himself, which ultimately allows him to invest in his future. You know, so it, yeah. it, it's, it's what, I, what I've always wanted to do is take the big decision away and make many decisions. And there's something in my training that I always say to people, when you get, when you get an objection, what it, it's a fancy word of what, Eli, as you know. Fear? It is. It is fear, but it's a fancy it's word true. of that person okay. saying no. 
Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Objections are just a situation where that person is saying no to you. But they're doing it in a way that they don't want to offend you because you spent the last hour to 45 minutes with them, right? Yeah. So in their mind, the conversation is no. So what I've realized from people is if you're trying to go from a no to a million percent yes, that's a very hard jump, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because you're going yeah. from a no to a $10,000 decision. What I train and develop people on is to go from a no to a mini yes. If you get mini yeses, you're getting multiple mini yeses, which ultimately create what? The big yes. Yeah. And it's something that I've kind of really zoned in on because, you know, you can't more often than not go from someone who is completely shut down, completely not wanting to be in the conversation to making a $10,000, $20,000, $100,000 decision just like that. So you mm-hmm. got to turn their no's back into yeses. If you turn it back into yeses, then they actually start making a bigger yes. I love that. Taking a, a note here. That's a great, it's a great metaphor, taking them up the mountain, you know, just a bunch of mini yeses to get them up there from no to possibly maybe would this help, you know, but the thing is with you um, and I love your style and I know, you know, who you've worked with and everything, everything. A lot of people join the program that you initially sold for. Um, yeah. And they, I do believe in using some softeners here and there, maybe yeah. possibly kind of, and, you know, it's interesting. Some people use this language, language of softeners. I want to talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. And they're a weak person using weak language. Yeah. I think if you're a strong person and you can use some of this softener language, it kind of mellows it out a bit. But yeah. you, you're a strong person, strong internal frame, and you use strong language and, and all of this. So it's, it's uh, I think that's why you've gotten to, based on your personality and what you teach people, allow people to shorten their call times, and just get right to it because you yeah. have uh, an interesting take on that. What is what is your take on on softeners in general? Maybe uh, kind of possibly might be appropriate. Uh, yeah, there's there's a certain situation for them at the front of a conversation when that person doesn't know you and you don't know that person. Yeah. You're both trying to fill each other out. I think from anywhere from making a decision to actually closing the call, it goes away. So you mm-hmm. will never hear me at the end of a conversation saying if, but maybe could, would, should. Because I say this to everyone all the time, right? If I'm uncertain, if that person is uncertain about the decision and the language that I start using is if, but maybe could, would, should, what have I just subconsciously brought into the conversation? Uncertainty. I brought in more uncertainty. Now, if that person has been uncertain in the decision making and I bring more uncertainty into the conversation, then we're just in a situation where we're both in an uncertainty world. Now, I don't know about you, Eli, but have you ever made a 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 decision in uncertainty? Probably not. No. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm the leader of this conversation, I'm the leader of this call, which I am, not this conversation, but the conversations that I have and you have, well, mm-hmm. I have to be strong enough in a position to say yes rather than no. But even a no is a, is a certainty word, isn't it? It's a yeah. definitive word. It's, it's no or it's yes. So you will never hear me say if, but maybe could, would, should, because it's, it's not helping that person. I will either say can or will. Mm-hmm. Those are my two words. That's all I say. Can or will. I either will do it or I can do it. That's all I say. Because that gives that person something that they don't have, which is not coming from inside them. It has to come from me. It has to come internally from me to give it externally to that person, which is a confidence, certainty, and conviction that you have to walk into conversations with. Yeah. I like that. 
Yeah, it's, I used to say in one of my talks all the time, it's not can you, because what you can do is amazing. It's yeah. will you. That's why it's called willpower. The yeah. power to use your conscious will to move in the direction that you want or to not exercise your conscious will and stay where you're at. That's yeah. ultimately the decision you want to make today. Stay where you're yeah. at, move forward. The question is, will you? Will you do yeah. what it takes? And yeah. so, yeah, will, will and can, I, I like that. Um, you know, as it relates to, to sales, I know you're getting people up to speed really quick, taking them through your process. Um, people come into your training and they've usually done some sales training in the past and you're, are you having to retrain them? What are you seeing um, outside of just weak language? What are you seeing? Why are you getting such great results with people? Um, yeah. What's kind of, what do you see as like the biggest, you know, dumb thing in the industry? Like what, what are people doing? Yeah. It could be entrepreneurs, salespeople. What are, what, what's, what is the gap that you're filling? What specifically are people messing up on? Yeah. I think a big part of the big part of people say structures and cycles is a, a lot of redundancy. Yeah. And I say that with respect. I, I think a lot of probing and clarifying into absolutely nowhere. Uh, and I think that's based on, you know, different trainings that people have gone through. They're always in a position, probe and clarify everything, probe and clarify everything. Yeah. But like, if you say, if you say to me, like, I'm out walking the dog and he's on a leash and I have to probe and clarify into that, like, wh where is it going? That conversation yeah. is going absolutely nowhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? And before you know it, you're 25, 30 minutes, 40 minutes into a probe and clarifying conversation. You're pissing off the prospect. You don't know where you're going and we're all just losing time. So yeah. what I've done and what I do and what I've always done is I've just cut out all the redundancy, made it very, very simple. Where do you want to be? What are your goals? Can I get you there? Do you want to make a change? And then I'm asking questions based on those. Because everything else I've just seen, it, it just doesn't work. And like, if I ask somebody to come in and I said, if I was looking at their calls and I said, why are you asking that question there? Nine out of 10 people wouldn't understand why. I was just told to probe and clarify. Told, like to where? Like what, to what end? To what end state are you probing and clarifying to? That's the problem. You know, people are just getting information and taking it at face value. And I know the information and it's not all meant for what it's actually being taken for. There's an awful lot of, of goodness in that and probing clarifying at certain situations. But what I see time and time again is every single answer is being probed and clarified. They're like, what the fuck is going on here? This has gone yeah. off the walls. You know what yeah. I mean? When you said this, how did you mean by that? You know, like, can I yeah, ask? Like, well, what did you mean by that? Yeah. Like, out of every single question. Yeah. Because like what you, you just, you just deny the prospect. And he won't keep giving you information because he has to keep clarifying it every single time that he gave you information. The sky is blue. What, what did you mean by the sky is blue? Well, the sky is fucking blue. <laughs> like, well, what do you mean? Like, the sky is blue. Yeah. I walk outside, it's blue. Like, what more information yeah. do you need? So that's, that's a big thing. I think a lot of probing and clarifying. And the biggest thing then as well is people not knowing where they're going with the questions. Do you know what I mean? They're just driving for the sake of driving and they don't have a clear indication of where the hell they need to go or what they need to get to or where they even need to be. You know, that's a big issue. Hey, it's me, Eli, interrupting my own podcast here to share with you something that I learned from my mentor that has really served me well. And that is where focus goes, energy flows. And if you are focusing on improving your influence and sales earning potential, then I want you to book a quick 15 minute call with my team so we can better understand your goals, 
and see if we can help you drastically improve your influence and earning potential. The link to book a call is in the show notes. If you don't see it, message me on Facebook and I'll send it right over to you. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, let's go step back a bit. You've been, you've only been in sales, what, for 18 months, two years, something like that? Well, COVID was the catalyst, yeah. Okay, what were you doing before? 2020. I was, yeah, so I started off, I started off in college. I got a scholarship to go to, to go to a college in, in, um, in Ireland, just based on being good at sports, as you do, you know, never What'd really, play? I played hurling and football. So that's an Irish sport that we have in Ireland. It's very, obviously you might not know, but it's very, it's like lacrosse and rugby. If you want to have a look at it, have a look at that it. Sounds it sounds great. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty badass. All my fingers broke, ankles broke, shoulders popped out the whole lot. Cut from here. Yeah. I had my ear nearly cut off one time, but um, so that's what I got. A, I got a scholarship to go there. I spent four and a half months there, and then uh, I got uh, a position in military. When I went for military, um, there was an embargo in Ireland at the time because we just come out mm-hmm. of the 2008 crash. Remember the 2008 crash that just nearly I wiped do. out everybody? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, you were immune to that because you were too good at sales. So everyone else didn't. <laughs> but um, so when I went for military, there was an embargo. So no one was, we weren't hiring people anywhere or anything. So I was quite lucky to get into college. That was the real people were going. They weren't getting jobs and stuff. And uh, when I went for the Irish army, um, there was 10,000 people applied. Wow. There was 40 spaces, four zero spaces. And I was one of the four, 40. And I was 17 years of age at the time. So I've always kind of, I don't know, I've always backed myself. You know, I've always been in a position where I've always kind of gone against the grain at things, you know, so. How did you, how did you get one of those spots? How did I get one of those spots? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've always, I don't know. I've always pushed the dial. I've always done a little was bit it more. There, it was for a military position. Yeah. Military position. Yeah. So you so have to be very good at fitness. Physical, a physical training, physical, physical uh, cognitive training. Was yeah. it, did they interview you? Something like yeah. That? Yeah. So all of those things. So physical aspect, mental aspect, uh, medical aspect, and then an interview as well. So it's you're put through a rigorous system. All right. 10,000 people, you know what I mean? For 40 spaces. You know, so mm-hmm. that's what we did. Uh, so I spent four and a half years there and I moved to London then uh, at 21 years of age. I had my little girl, Indy, or uh, Tallulah. And uh, when I went to London, which in my opinion is, is probably the second hardest city in the entire world to be a personal trainer. Number one is obviously New York. Um, Both are tough, yeah. So when I went to London, I had two numbers in my phone. I had my partner, Grace, and her dad, who was Mickey. And I mm-hmm. built the business out of that. I spent seven years building the business, and then COVID wiped me off the board. Wow. Uh, and then I fell into sales. That's how I fell into sales. So that was the summer of 2020. And then went full-time in sales in 2021, January 2021. And then in March, then I stepped into seven level. That's what I did. and ran that for 18 months as such. Yeah, that's how fast I was connecting with uh, Hannah Chan. Yeah, yeah. You, I think that was your first account you sold for, and uh, I was talking to her a lot, and because uh, we knew each other from the Traffic and Funnels company, and uh, she says, "Yeah, they got this guy Bill. He's like, he's awesome. He's really aggressive. Not like these other 
these other guys they've given me. She's like, he's this guy is a closer. <laughs> you do fitness and all of that. That's uh, yeah. that's cool. So that was your first time, just like selling anything, really. Other that was the first own. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than my own, I did Hannah's account on my own for the first month. First month I went full time. I did that, and then walked in then to to Jeremy's. Yeah, and ran seventh level as the as the sales guy there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, from how you started out to where you are today, what do you think has evolved the most in your process or in you? Like what's shifted inside of you to help you create this level of leadership? Because everybody listening, um, they're salespeople, they're sales leaders, and everybody's looking to level up. And you've done it yeah. so fast from your initial account to now managing and, you know, you went up to a level and now you got your own jam. What have been the biggest distinctions to help you get from your imagine your first day of sales to where you are now? To where what we are now. Yeah. Uh it's probably a cliche to say it, Eli, and it's probably a bit douchey to say it, but I've always <laughs> been somewhat of a leader. No matter where yeah. I've gone, even on sports teams, I was always the captain. I was always the person that scored. I was always the person that, you know, took on that responsibility to help people. Even the team that I have now, I, I literally take it in my responsibility to help them get paid more. And, you know, I'd rather sacrifice myself to a certain element and give it to them. And so I've always kind of been in that position where I've just, I've naturally just been somewhat of a leader, naturally been someone who can take on the slack and just, you know, take it on my shoulders and run with it. But I suppose the biggest thing is in sales, that's a natural progression. Because if you feel you're a leader and if you have those leadership qualities in yourself, and it's very easy to do sales. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's very easy to help and influence somebody on a call because it's just who you are as a person. You know, it's yeah. who you are as an individual. So I suppose for me, it's been definitely cultivated and, and matured and developed with the people that I've worked with, you know, Matt and Jeremy and Marco. I know we've all differences at the moment and whatever it is, but, you know, I've really, really developed under those guys, you know, really looked to those as as you know, leaders in their own right, you know, took an awful lot away from an awful lot of people, even yourself, look at you. And, you know, it's, it's something I have always emulated is, is that leadership and that qualities that you possess, you know, how you're able to cultivate audiences and all that kind of stuff. And all that can be learned, you know what I mean? But learning will only get you a certain, certain stage. You, you get to a, a position where everyone's at the same education. How can some people are just that bit better? And that's that natural ability, I think, that some people have and some people you just can't train it into. You know, you obviously have that natural ability. There's some people that have it and some people that don't. So to be, to be honest and answer the question, um, I don't know what I've done, to be quite honest. It's just been, this is just it. I don't, <laughs> I don't come to work, if that makes sense. You're saying to yourself, what does that even mean? Like, I don't think when I start talking to people in, in, a, in this capacity that it's work, it's just who I am. Even when I'm talking to my girls, it's just who their dad is. Do you know what I mean? So I've never really deviated from, and you hit something there a minute ago, that, you know, certainty and, you know, internal, you know, conviction that you have in yourself. I, I've always kind of had somewhat of that. So it, yeah. I don't, so that's, that's my answer. I don't know if that answers it, but... Hopefully it does. So I don't know. I don't know what I've done. It's yeah. just the leadership in you. Yeah, you natural leadership ability. And I think, you know, obviously with what you did getting in the military and sport, 
Um, yeah. You know, it's everybody, I, I meet top performers, people that I think are impressive from all walks of life. And while they're completely different people, there are similar values, um, desire, leadership, um, competitiveness a little bit, not yeah. in a sense of like wanting other people to lose, but really liking, like I love, I loved it when I sold on a team and people were better than me. Cause then I was like, I want to learn from this person and then I want to beat them, but not beat them uh, so that I can be better than them. It's just like, I want to like, just get in the game. And I yeah. love this sense of camaraderie. And I liked, you know, getting beat sometimes that uh, Jim Rohn, who was Tony's mentor had this, has this really awesome quote and it's in a training of his. I don't know if you tell me if you've heard this, he talks about when you start out in sales or in business, he said, he's talking about the law of averages. He's like, let's say that you get nine out of 10 and mm. I only get one out of 10. Yeah. Well, he says, well, next week, that means that I just need to talk to, if you're getting nine out of 10, that means that I just need to talk to 10 times as many people next week yeah. and I'm going to beat you. Yeah. And he says, he says, no matter what, I'm going to beat you because I'm not going to give up. And he says, he says, and that's, and that's noble of me. It's noble of me to beat you because you learn more by losing than by winning. So I wish right. to give you that opportunity to yeah. let you lose. So yeah. he says, you learn, you learn more by losing than by winning. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. You're about to learn. And, uh, you know, you it's just that psychology where you're, you're helping people by being the best. And I think people that really want to serve, they don't just want to be the best, like money in the bank account or score on a board. Like they have an internal drive to be their best and to lead by example by doing the the grunt work. Um, yeah. And that's why they stay up. They create the slides. They create the training, not just to make money, but it's like, hey, here's what I learned. I want to share this with you. And then charging those people appropriately is yeah. how you build a business in this space. In this I think space. there's a lot of pride as well, though, aren't there? Like there's a lot of pride in yeah. knowing that you can help people. I've always had that, you know, even when I was a personal trainer, you know, I used to coach ladies who were forced on overweight. You know what I mean? Who've been overweight mm -hmm. their entire life. You know what I mean? To try and keep that person under restraint now for 30 weeks to lose a pound, two pounds, three pounds. You know, I get an awful lot of pride and I get an awful lot of that endorphins of someone coming to me and say, hey, Bill, I've just half my call time and made a pit. You know, like I, I, after a while, you hit the nail on the head there. After a while, money is money. Do you know what I mean? But there, there has to be something more in it than just making money. You know, mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate that's where I'm at now is that I, I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction by seeing other people win. And yeah. it's great because if you have that amount of influence and that amount of education and knowledge that you can pass on to people, you know, that's what gets you up out of bed in the morning. You know, but mm -hmm. there's a fear as well, though, aren't there? Yeah. Fear drives me, and I always say it all the time, and I'm not afraid to say it. Fear drives me every day. The fear of losing it all drives me every single day. Gets me out of the bed early, gets me scared. And someone said to me today, um, one of my guys, Adam, because I'm in Lisbon at the moment for five weeks. I've just brought my family off. And that's the beauty of it. When you, you, you do good stuff, when you make good money, you can do whatever the hell you like. Um, mm -hmm. But my mom and dad came out uh, a couple of days ago. And Adam, who works with me, he said to me, are you happy that your mom and dad are there? And I said, I'm indifferent to it. And yeah. he said, he was laughing. And I said, you know me, Adam, I don't get super high and I don't get super low. I'm always, mm -hmm. on, I'm always on, on the ticker. You know, I'm always in a position where 
I don't allow things to go super high and I don't allow it to go super low because if I do both, then it clouds things, you know, and there's a constant level of fear every day to always do better and to keep going, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you have that? Or what do you have? What drives you? That's a good question for you now. You know, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've done so much exploring on this and I think, like for me, I've always wanted to do well. And I think, you know, when I, and I've talked to a lot of really successful people, there's all this self-development hubbub about like, never say anything negative to yourself. Um, but then you see like David Goggins, he's looking in the mirror. He's like, you're a fucking pussy. Like you got to step the fuck up being really negative to himself. And it drives him. And I've talked to, you know, people that are pretty much billionaires. And they said, the reason they got there is from their insecurity. Like they're massively insecure. And so for me, you know, I think, because there's people that just want to like be heart mission and change the world. And I've got that in me for sure. But I've also got all the negative stuff too. Like I have all the negative stuff. I have the good stuff in my heart, the negative stuff in my brain. Uh, You know, it's like the insecurity, the fear, the doubt, never thinking that I'm good enough, people pleasing, um, wanting to give too much. And so I have done the best I can to do a lot of evaluation and on myself. And I think that's really armed me. All of my insecurities and fears have armed me with the tools that I need to influence because I know other people have the same shit too. Yeah. So also I feel compassion for them, you know? And so I, I now look at my own insecurities cause I got them and I, it really makes me, I sit and I think, and I'm just like, other people probably have this shit too. Yeah, so now, absolutely. so now I know how to wound them because I know what my wounds are. Yeah. And so yeah. for me, I try to constantly have like a carrot and a team, like something I'm chasing after every day. And I write down my few things the night before because my monkey mind will just focus on like a bajillion different things and nothing gets done. Yeah. And yeah. so I've got to be scheduled and organized. But, you know, it's like, I think at the end of the day, a lot of success is just being happy with the people you surround yourself with. And I've been, you know, for me, it started out like I'm just a huge Tony Robbins fan. Yeah. And I wanted to be the number one and all that, but ultimately I wanted to help the world. And I figured the best way I could do that was exposing people to this man. So I was selling a product to people, selling this man, Tony yeah. Robbins, because I wanted to make an impact. And I didn't think I'd ever meet Tony initially, but I got so good at fulfilling the mission that was in my heart and that was and that was it and then i got a connection so i think that you know for me it just came from wanting to be a value to people and but also the insecurity of not feeling like i was valuable which was a good thing and a bad thing because when i was selling tony i could sell some tony but initially selling myself i couldn't do it i was really good at selling tony and i was teaching when i'd go into companies and charge a lot of money i was teaching tony's content and then when i was with tony I would teach pretty much the same content, heavily influenced by him, but massively less because I was selling me, not him. Yeah. 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 So I'm just, I, I recognize those ba- gaps. And I think the part of success for anybody, it's finding your gaps internally or externally in your business or your process. And then internally inside of yourself, your values, your character, yeah. your leadership, income being, you know, your skill set. So I'm always, always looking at these things. And learning so much every day. So I you think, think you ever solve it. Do you think you ever? Do you think you ever get to that place where you don't feel insecure and that you don't have fears? Because that's something I battle with every day. Do you think you'll ever you know, get to a position where you know you're just at peace with yourself? 
I think I think there's moments of it. And I think when I talk to really successful people, yeah. they definitely have moments of it. But mm-hmm. you know, it's like one of my buddies says, people say life's a marathon, not a sprint. He's like, no, it's not true. It's actually a marathon of sprints. Like you sprint, sprints. rest, sprint, <laughs> yeah. rest. It's, it's a marathon of sprints. And I mm-hmm. think in those those pauses, you find peace, but then there's another thing. And I think it's just in somebody that like once I've done this sprint, push and drive, and then there'll be like a moment of success. But then immediately it's like, you have to have that next thing. Otherwise you don't feel like you're doing anything. And yeah. it's like water gets stagnant when it just sits there. And I think that, you know, we've only got so much time on this planet. And then when you're sitting there, it starts being like, well, you know, what am I doing with my life? And I'm just kind of wasting time. I need to do something. And so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I talk to a lot of successful people and I think that there's different emotions that drive all of them, but the consistent emotion in the psyche of the most successful people in the world that I've seen, um, it's in there a bit is repressed anger because it's like, like something there where they're just like driving through something like an Elon Musk or, you know, it's like something happened to them where they're just like, you know what, F it. I'm just going to push through this thing. And so it's, it's an interesting thing that you begin to, to notice. And I definitely have that in myself, but I don't think it ever fully goes away. I think no. that there's moments, yeah. but I think it's, it's, it's deep in your psyche. It's, yeah. it's there unless you go meditate on the side of the mountain for the rest of your life. <laughs> I think those people yeah. can do that, but that's sure. a whole different direction in life. Whole so, different ball game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I want to, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, you know, with what you've done, you focus on objections first and you're helping people. Um, I've seen the results that you're putting out there. So I, you know, I reached out to you. We met over in London about a month ago. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, what are, you doing, what are you doing differently? Because the results you're putting out are just insane. I was like, man, you know, and you sent me some of your training and I can see why it's so powerful because you're just head on, no fluff. And I think the industry really needs what you're putting out there. Um, as far as the process of influence, sales, making money, and you mostly help salespeople, um, you know, I just want to ask you this. What what are some things that I didn't ask you or what's something I didn't ask you that would be useful to people to know about the process of you being a, you know, five figure a month salesperson? Like what do people need to know to hit that level as soon as possible? What's something I didn't ask you that I should have? Yeah, this is a great question. Look, there's what, what I want people to understand. And, and this is something that, you know, I'm, I'm coached on something that I have to experience and you experience it daily as well. When you start coaching people, you start developing people and you've developed hundreds and thousands of people, right? And what you will notice is people trying to talk like you, people trying to have your mannerisms, people trying to, you know, sound like Eli. Mm -hmm. And I see that with myself. I see that with myself now in the capacity of who I'm coaching. They, they call it billism. (laughs) Uh, and we joke about it but what I want people to understand is that it will only get you so far because at the end of it all you're still your own person and we're all so individual that you have to build out your own individual your own individuality into what you do yes you can take snippets from this person or that person or that person but you've got to come together and you've got to figure it out for yourself um, because there's no point trying to sound like me. There's no point talk, tr- trying to talk like Eli. There's no point trying to, you know, have the same body language as Eli or that powerful speaking that he does, you know. So the biggest thing that I want people to do is, yes, get educated, 
Yes, get developed. Yes, get skilled. But don't forget yourself as well. You know, mm-hmm. don't forget who you are as a person, who you, what you bring to the table, who you are as an internal driver, you know, because that's really the power. Yes, you can take snippets from this person or that person. And the power of bringing it all together is how you manifest it in yourself. You know, and that's yeah. something that I really want for everyone. Because if you can do that effectively, you will make money. And you'll make a lot of money. And we don't know there's a lot of money in this industry to be made. Um, mm-hmm. But you can't do it on the back of someone else in that capacity to the level that you want to go. Yes, you can do it and you can make your 5, 10, 15s. But when you want to get to 20, 25, 30, 45, 50, 100, whatever, on a consistent basis, you have to go against the grain. You have to be your own person. You know, so that's yeah. a big thing. Finding your own internal voice. What do you think stops people from, because it's like you might see a Tony or you or somebody else and people start to model their mannerisms and their speech and you are saying their words, their script, all of that, but there's their energy and their essence. And sometimes that it's a double-edged sort of modeling yeah. you end up losing yourself in the process of trying to learn from another correct you know yeah how, do, how does somebody find their own unique voice then if they're say they're well, studying uh, yeah well like uh, i'm a very unique person in, in regards to how i speak how i mm-hmm. how how yeah. i would speak to people how you would speak to me like if we had the same person in front of us how i would navigate that sales conversation compared to you or we're like completely different people but if you try to speak like i spoke and speak that person would be like Mm -hmm. who the hell is this person yeah because you have to understand like that how you speak is who you are Mm -hmm. when i was working with jeremy he used a word called rationalize yeah i've never said that word in my entire life Mm -hmm. so when I would be code yeah. rationale, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, just not a, it's just not a common word that I would ever say. So when yeah. I used to say it, it never landed well. It never, it never had the same effect as what he would say. So I had to come up with a way of how to say the exact same thing without saying the words. Mm-hmm. So I ended, that's how you end up pushing and like manifesting your own kind of process and structure. Like there's certain words that you would say that I would never ever in, in the entire universe try and say. Because I don't have the confidence and certainty and conviction of saying them like you did. It's the same thing with me. You couldn't speak like I speak. Yeah. Not that you would want to, or not that you could, or like that you would. It's just you get different sound bites from people, and a lot of it works, but you've got to make it work yourself. So yeah. how you need to do it is the biggest thing is, yes, you can get the education and the skill, but how you actually use it has to be built from you. You know what I mean? You can get the education and you can understand this is going to give you this and this word will give you this. But if you don't, if you don't say that word on a daily basis and you don't use that phrase on a daily basis, then when you do say it, it just doesn't land right. And that person can feel it. He can hear it doesn't land right. He understands the way that you're saying it. It's not something that you say on a, on a consistent basis. So that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing that I would like people to have is their own voice, you know, never lose themselves. There's a wealth of education, aren't they? There's a wealth of education, yeah. you know, from all different types of sales trainers or business coaches or everyone like personal development of Tony. But um, you always have to have yourself at the at the core of it because if you don't, then what's there? Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're borrowing someone else's conviction and certainty, and that'll only get you so far. That'll get to your 10, 15k months, but it won't get you to your half a million a year consistency. That's the issue, yeah. you know? That's it. Yeah, I love it. 
Uh, tell us where can folks find out about you? Do you have a, a website? I don't want anyone. <laughs> I don't want What's anyone that? to find me. I don't want anyone to find me. No. <laughs> My wife will kill him. No, um, yeah, we have we have the uh, the Facebook group and Instagram. I probably my 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 biggest platform is probably Facebook, which is the objection Facebook. box community. What's the the objection box community, box community. Facebook group? Yeah, people are even find you. Yeah, yeah, or, or Bill Welch. I'm, there's not a whole lot of Bill Welches out there um, that look and speak like me, so I'm not that uh, hard to find. But those are probably the biggest two places. Yet yeah, Facebook or the Facebook community is definitely one of the places. Yeah. What's your website? Would you believe it, Eli? I don't have it. I don't believe don't it. Don't have one. No, I don't. Yeah. We've we've been we've been somewhat snowed under <laughs> over the last two and a half months that I haven't even sat down to even plan it out. To be quite honest with you, uh, yeah. yes, we have our click funnels and all that kind of stuff, but we, as a dedicated website, we don't have one. Yeah, awesome. Funny, isn't yeah. it? We're in twenty twenty two without websites. Websites are Facebook. Pretty much everybody drives somebody to a a lead magnet these days, and that's going to yeah. be. Um, you know, your site forward slash something free gift. And then people go get the free gift, opt in, and then you yeah. got them on your, your jam and you yeah, invite yeah. them to the group and the email and the email invites them to the, to the, this and the, that, and then, and then they become Before clients you and you hop on a call and you better, and if you hop on a call with Bill, you better not show up with an objection because he's going to uh -huh. handle it. He's going to put it in a box and <laughs> ship it to the wrong. <laughs> That's that, that is That's what we're now for. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, for everybody listening here, um, again, Facebook group, the Objection Box community, that's where folks can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or even my own private Facebook. Yeah, I'm daily awesome. on it. So yeah, absolutely over there. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing all this good stuff, brother. I'm always taking a lot of notes here when I talk to you. So I appreciate your time. Appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you. Awesome, man. Stay on and uh, I'll talk to everybody listening. I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Take care. Hey, this is Eli. And if you got a ton of value out of this podcast and you are committed to leveling up your influence or sales skills, then I want to invite you to speak with my team using the link below in the show notes. Now, I only want you to book this call if you are truly committed to making real change. So if that's you, check it out. And until next time, be influential.